It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limo or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans and this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. Other than we're all New Orleanians in a bar, in this case, we're at Wayfair on Ferret Street. Wayfair is a restaurant and a bar serving handcrafted food and spirits where Chef Kevin White puts fine dining into a sandwich and the bartenders put fine booze into a glass. There's a three-hour happy hour here every day from 4 to 7. We're on Ferret Street. Have you been down Ferret Street lately? My guests are Lee Crum, Claire Bangser, and... Aaron, with a very difficult double-barrel name, Lopez Barrantes, yeah. is that how you say it? Perfectly, and said. perfectly said. said. And Andrew Duhon, of course, as yeah. always, is here as well. So, Lee, have you been? Uh, you haven't been d- down Ferret Street for a while. Have you ever been Years. to Wayfair? Years, never been here. Wayfair is awesome. This guy, Kev Shevin. Kev Shevin, is that his name? That's the one. Kev Shevin. Kev Shevin White was a was a a, um, a chef in in Los Angeles. No, was he? I think he was uh, in New, New York. York. The yeah. chef in New York. He was a chef with Mario Battaglia in New York before he came to New Orleans and opened this restaurant and he makes sandwiches which you might think doesn't sound that exciting right? I mean, you I haven't had riveting. the sandwiches riveting? Yeah. Claire you're right it is riveting I love sandwiches you do? Mm-hmm. well you're going to love the sandwiches here <laughs> because just try one as I say Claire Bangser is the creator of Nola Beans is that correct so far? so far is so it good. Bangser or Bangser? how do you uh, pronounce the S? Bangser Bangser mm-hmm. what kind of a name is Bangser? Um, it's a Latvian name via um, Ellis Island, hmm. so it got changed. It used to have one what of those. What was it? It used to, I think it used to be B-A-N-Z-O with a line through it R. If I still had an O with a line through it, Banzer. I would have felt really cool. Well, <laughs> I love that. Ba- so that would be pronounced <laughs> Banzer? Something like originally? that. Originally? Mm-hmm. From Latvia. Who came here from Latvia? Uh, my grandfather's side. My dad's father's yeah. side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So your grandfather was Latvian? Um, his parents were. Oh, so hi- your grandfather's parents came <laughs> here. So your grandfather was born in New, Z- in New Zealand. Your grandfather was born <laughs> in the United States. <laughs> New Zealand, yeah. My grandfather was born in the United States. Okay, so mm-hmm. you're like three or four generations removed from Latvia. But I like yes. Banzer, though. I think we should change it. <laughs> yep. We should change it. Yeah, so I'm you're down. the creator of Nola Beings, which is a website that features photo portraits and thumbnail stories of regular New Orleanians on the street. Correct? Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good description, right? Claire is a freelance photographer and filmmaker who moved to New Orleans from the Northeast. Before she came here, Claire went to school in St. Louis and lived in Mali and Turkey. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Good God. <laughs> it says here you traveled across Turkey and the South Caucasus to document beekeepers for National Geographic. I did. <laughs> what do they look like in the well, Caucasus beekeepers? Do they have the same... <laughs> do they wear like stuff? Um, Those net hats? Yeah, they. I mean, they do look a lot like beekeepers everywhere in, in terms of their outfits but the Wasn't traditions of beekeeping ticket. are ancient in the South Caucasus and really? a good friend of mine Kat Jaffe led an expedition to study the beekeeping traditions of, of honey um, somebody called Kat region. left it and led an expedition about bees yes I know it's very confusing <laughs> so what is the different what is the ancient tradition of beekeeping in the in Turkey oh in the man you don't want to get me started on this sure subject. we do yeah how much of that drink have you had what is it um, well I'm drinking a dark and stormy nice um, so and what is the tradition of beekeeping? How did you even find out about it? Well, the Caucasian bee, which is the bee with the world's longest tongue, originated in the South Caucasus. That's why it's called the Caucasian bee. 
And, and Is that why we're know. called Caucasians? Did we all come from the Caucasus originally? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Do you know that, Aaron, for a fact? No, not at all. Oh, okay. You were not. <laughs> I thought maybe I was right. About <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I don't want to say it on the radio. I'm not quite sure exactly how that term came this about. This isn't the radio. We, could, uh. <laughs> we, can, we can Google it, right? <laughs> but, um, why but are yeah. we called Caucasians? Somebody, Lee, do you know that? Because we're white. Right. Uh. But are we from the Caucasus originally? <laughs> I have no idea. Who would know that? Chris is going to look it up. Okay, so the Caucasian bee has the longest tongue of all bees in the world. Yeah. Who would measure that, I wonder? Scientists. Right. Bee people. <laughs> well, do, who, so why does that make them different? Well, the region that we are living in has crazy floral diversity, like millions, no, not millions, many different types of wildflowers. And the Caucasian bee has a long enough tongue to get into all of them. And so there's really... Um, interesting honey that's found in that region and also ancient tra- traditions like they've dug up graves with honey in them and can trace uh, bee- beekeepers back thousands of years and so um, our trip was to understand how those traditions have evolved over time um, and how they've kind of traveled along the Silk Road. Do you ever think about how much weird shit people had to eat to figure out what was edible? You know? Like honey's kind of weird. How would you have got to honey? Yeah. Good point. You know? Yeah. Did you Way find that then? out, Claire? Is there an answer for that? Uh, I have no How idea. How did they figure out that honey was good to eat? That's a really good question. They probably oh, tasted it. Somebody, that's somebody <laughs> you know, really just good. the lucky guy and the I unlucky guy was out there sampling the donkey shit or something. But there's, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of things you have to do to get honey out of a honey, out of a hot beehive, out of a honeycomb, right? I mean, there's a lot of fucking bees, first well, of all. Yeah, that's true. That would be the I mean, first thing you'd think. I mean, if we could go back like 5,000 like years. Well, that's what you were doing, right? What did you discover? Well, we didn't, we, we didn't have access to 5,000-year-old people to ask how they s- discovered but it. You but du- you dug them up. Know. You dug them up. Well, you didn't dig them up. No, we didn't dig them up. But you know what's cool is that they had psychedelic, like this crazy hallucinogenic honey um, that they used as a weapon of war. In what sense? Mm-hmm. Is it still around? Do you know? It is. Um, mm. I've never how gotten much? to try it, but my friend did. What was the weaponized version of it? Uh, well, as the story goes, uh, and it's been told this way by both sides <laughs> of the story. The, be- the bees and the humans? <laughs> um, well, the Turks and then the Georgians and the Armenians. I mean, I, you know, all the different sides the have similar stories. people who are fighting stories. each other with honey. Yeah, um, that they would hide some of the psychedelic honey along the routes where the soldiers would be coming and the soldiers would find it and eat it and then pass out and... That's like when you have people over at your house and they eat, they eat the uh, fudge brownies, you know, the pot brownies oh, by yeah. mistake. Every time, yeah. 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 It's a sort pot of brownies as a weapon of war. Yeah, I never mm-hmm. thought about that. I think you're onto something. We could drop them uh, on, the, on the ISIS people. Have they thought about it? <laughs> so that's what happened. So they did it on purpose. They, so they, they drugged up. So what happens when your enemy starts taking psychedelic drugs? Then you're, you're golden. You're yeah. good to go. <laughs> that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Well, that is something interesting. Who told you that, Cat? Yeah, Cat has taught me a lot. And what's Cat up to now? Where is she? Oh, is man. it she? Well, I feel well, like he. we're focusing on me too much. Oh, well, I've got. I'm just, <laughs> I will get to them in a minute. I'm gonna. T- I mean, we got to the sentence where it says you traveled across Turkey and the South Caucasus to document beekeepers for National Geographic. That's pretty cool. So they published your photos in National Geographic. Um, yeah, a lot of them are online, not in the magazine. So can we look it up? Yes, you NationalGeographic.com or NatGeo.com. It is right. Huh. I think it's National Geographic. Is it National Geographic? Okay. And it says also here that you... <laughs> is this true? You cycled 2,000 miles down the west coast of the United States. I did. I like mm. riding my bike. 2,000 mm. miles. Where would that take you? From the top 
the whole way down the list. <laughs> on my Andrew, list. why are you taking your shoe off? Oh, I'm putting my shoe on. I'm putting it's it on. I'm sorry. Strapped, um, yeah. <laughs> why, why did you ride your bike just for the hell of it? Um, not taking photos this time? I was living in D.C. I, I quit my job, and um, I raised money on Kickstarter with my boyfriend at the time, and we rode from Vancouver to San Francisco via a very squiggly route. Um, and we interviewed people. I have to write this down, because <laughs> we have to move on, but I have to come back. What kind of things would you interview people about? <laughs> we asked everybody how they define success. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So. What was the general uh, consensus? Well, there's one definition after all that. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, you know, everybody <laughs> has... There's no consensus, but it was an interesting... It was really interesting. Okay, I'm going to get back to this, but just tell me, uh, I wrote this down, Kickstarter. How much money did you and your boyfriend raise on Kickstarter? Oh, my God. Um, don't tell me you don't know, because you have to know. <laughs> I don't remember. It's That's bullshit. You, well, so I what? think Come it was on. about $4,500. $4,500 on Kickstarter to ride a bike from for two well, people. Okay. But we wrote a book about it, so nice. it well, was it was uh, funding the, something, some work. Oh, okay. Did the donors get a free book? They did. That's cool. Mm-hmm. What's the book called? Oh, man. I don't want to promote this book. This was a long what? time ago. What? Shitty? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't go you're buy digging this real book. deep into my, into my <laughs> it, Was it It's your first published work or something? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how bad could it be? What, sure. is it, what did you take the photos with? Well, there's no photos in it. It was a, it was oh, right written. Oh, it's just a book. It was called Ride Somewhere Far. We were oh, never mind. Not about. interested. Yeah, great. Cool. Oh. Moving on. Oh, that book? <laughs> ride, ride Somewhere Far. Okay. Is that on Kindle and all the usual places? Oh, probably. Okay. <laughs> Let's go take a look for that, right? Somewhere far. Okay. Very good. I'm going to tell you about more photographers. Lee Crum is here as well. Lee Crum is an internationally renowned photographer whose work has appeared on the cover of most major magazines from Sports Illustrated to GQ to Rolling Stone. Lee's commercial photography is legendary, including Apple's first ever PowerBook campaign and ad campaigns for Nike, Coke, American Express, and many others. Basically, if you've used it, eaten it, worn it, or driven it, Lee Crumb's probably shot it. That's a pretty good description so That's far. That's a beautiful intro. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. And that's not all. I've got more. <laughs> Despite his I commercial success, Lee is principally known for his portraits of actors, artists, and musicians. From Bill Cosby, Jack Nicholson, and Al Green, to all the local New Orleans legends from Professor Longhead to Winston Marsalis. Mm. That's true? All true. He's got an amazing range of stuff. Lee all spent true. most of his adult life based here in New Orleans. And now lives with his wife and family in Nashville, Tennessee. But he's here today. Visiting you. Welcome to Happy Hour. <laughs> Mr. So Crime, it's so great to have you here. You said free drinks. I came immediately. I know. So, <laughs> so how many Any drinks day. could you knock off in an hour? So far, you've only drunk one beer. You know, I was only offered one drink I know, so far. Well, mm. Douglas will hook you up with another one if you want one. Oh, yeah. Because you can't okay. let you leave the table. Oh. Graham would take care of it, but she's not here yet, of course. How are you liking being sure. back in New Orleans? You've been here for 24 hours. Not, not even. Not even. Not even. What do you think? Let's try. Uh, you know, it, it's shocking to see the changes. Absolutely shocking. What, shocking. Shocking in a good sense or a bad yeah, sense? Yeah, good sense. Yeah. What's yeah. changed the most for you? Um, you know, uh, it, it's got to be just all the construction, all the, the, the cost of living here, mm-hmm. the skyrocketing uh, property prices. Amazing. I mean, I, I, I visited uh, Magazine Street in my old studio a minute ago. It's for sale now. And this is your I, old studio on like magazine and way back when the 80s. Okay? Right. I lived in when it was the Wild West. And, you know, I lived in a building, um, 2025 magazine. And then there, it's on the market now for 698000 It was sold in 79 for 34000 I think. <laughs> and uh, I lived there a couple of years in the early 80s. So when it was a real, real rough little neighborhood. That was down, that was like the hood back then. It was like oh, yeah, yeah. on the way yeah. from between the projects. That's and right. 
That was a bad neighborhood. Yeah, it was bad. I saw, you know, I've seen it all. Shootings out in front in daylight, you know, on the street. People, you saw uh, people get shot oh, great. in front oh, yeah. of your city. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, was all, it was great. I loved it. They filmed a lot of Angel Heart there, if anybody's ever seen Angel Heart. You know, one of the first great uh, Alan Parker films. Not right. One, you know, it was a good one. And, uh, you know, it was, a great, it was a great backdrop for anything seedy that you would ever want. Right. You know? But do you think the fact that it's changed for the – it's more pristine and it's safer down there, vaguely, actually, do you think that's a good change or a bad change? Well, any, any, uh, you know, I mean, there's always an argument about the way the neighborhoods change. You know, they change for the good in the, you know, one way. And maybe they're safer than, uh, you know, you see all the migration of things like West Elm on, on Magazine Street. Mm. You know, and you hear right. about, you know, CVS opens a mega store. You know, that's the, that's a degenerate form of uh, urbanization as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, the artists run away from the city. Exactly. You're, mm. you're, you're thrown out of your hood you know, shortly thereafter because the prices skyrocketed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All these guys that are on every major corner of America are sitting there you know, with the same product that you'll see in any other city. I hate that part. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's, the, that's the unwelcome part of well, you've you know, been, the change. You've worked for these people. You've, you've worked for corporate America a oh, lot. Absolutely. You made a huge amount of money out of all I these guys. I did take their money. And, <laughs> and everybody else is trying to make a huge amount of money out of them too. I mean, that's they, true. They want to make a whole bunch of money out of us that's true so how do you stop that and you've traveled all over the world how do, how would you stop it and that's a question we're all asking how can you you know it's, well, uh, is there a way you can't really you can't really stop money that often except for the, in the grassroots levels when you've got you know uh, preservation causes that prevent you from you know destructive things in neighborhoods but you know, outside of that, I mean, money, money uh, is right. going to, you know, money and politics is going to trump, uh, you know, living conditions any day. Well, do you think it's going to destroy New Orleans? Because that's the question that people are asking now, that what oh, you're gonna, talking about. It's going to, you know, it's already changed dynamically in the last five years. You know, you, know, you forget, you know, what, what was going on in certain corners and you go there and it's all changed. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that's, the, that's the slow growth of uh, anything, uh, you, know, that, you know, that way you don't see it so blatantly, you know, and then it. Because it, it unfolds slowly, but it's just uh, you know it's like a melting iceberg. You know, you don't see you know really going away until it's gone. Well, you're one of New Orleans' most successful artists. What made you leave? Why aren't you crime. still crime? Really? Uh, it was yeah. crime. Yeah, crime. Yeah. Because you I have had two small kids. Yeah. yeah, two small school-age children. And you've yeah. lived and, in and, and when you're in New Orleans, you either go to public school, or you or you wrestle and and, and and fight to get in. You know lusher or whatever and you know it's just a, you know, it's principally against my nature to do all that you mm-hmm. know I went to Na- I, we're in Nashville um, you know my kids go to unbelievable schools they're free you know I mean well, what you is know, Nashville versus 17.5 or 18,000 a year for an yeah, education yeah but now we have all these charter schools True. here that's all changed True. I think that's you can come back yeah maybe so if that's only that with the thing was keeping but now you I can't afford to live here <laughs> <laughs> you can't that's why I live you know, in Central City. There you go. But for what, for the way you can live in Nashville, you can live like a king for what you have to pay them to live here. So Is that it's, right? That's unbelievable. It's totally gone the other way around. Because you used to be able to live here like a king for exactly. money. Exactly. Is that right? You can really have exactly. a great life in Nashville. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, what part even is, though it's changing. What part of Nashville are you in? I live in Forest Hills. Okay. You know? What's that? And it's, uh, it's an un- unbelievable neighborhood. It's town and country. You know, you're two... You're two um, 
you know, you're two miles from, uh, you know, the Apple store or Forest Whole Hills. Foods or whatever. Said four stills. I was no. like, where's that? <laughs> Forest, Forest Hills. Hills. But, yeah. but, you know, you li- you're living in a neighborhood where uh, literally uh, on any given morning you walk out in the turkey or crossing uh, your property or hanging out in your backyard. Turkeys. By the dozens. Turkeys. That's why I got the 12 out, out yeah. the back window. <laughs> you see. You got her out there. You, know, the, and you got the, turkeys and, and, living in your backyard? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have everything. Who's, who's feeding them? Everybody. People they weren't. They turkeys? weren't free. We have. We, you know. There's no. Um, there's no limit to the amount of wildlife. You know. Again, it's it's unbelievable. This I is mean, the suburbs you're living in, or the country side. That's what I'm saying. It's like town and country. I live two miles from a major mall, the, the biggest mall in, in Nashville. But you know, there, it's a very very wide open space, uh, very tranquil hills, woods, and beautiful uh, beautiful uh, you know living environment for animals. Mm. You know, Jesus, herds like of Nashville. deer, herds. Of, I mean, it's unbelievable. What's the downside? I live in Nashville. How are the second uh, lines? Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the, the downside, you know, it, it can be a little vanilla. You yeah. know, with mm-hmm. that, with that safety, and with that tranquility, and with all the great animals and mm-hmm. all the organic aspects of nature. I live, I live near Radnor Lake, which is you know phenomenal place to live. Uh, you know, it's just the most beautiful, sanguine place to walk you've ever seen. And uh, hmm. the downside of all of that, of course, is you know you, you don't have any urban grit right there. Right. Now you go to East now, East New, uh, Nashville has some of that for sure, yeah. but not in that not in the area I live, of course. Not like Central City where Aaron lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where are you living? You won't get shot at though. Probably. You know, yesterday at like I think it was like four thirty, I heard five gunshots about like like forty yards away from my house, and uh, that that's something that happens all the time, you know. But um. It's kind of just like what the culture is like here, and you gotta kind of get used to it, especially if you live in Central City. But there's no way that's good. It's not there's good. No good but you know, the thing is, it's, it's just really young kids that are just kind of like goofing off, and that's the way. Like you know, there's this park near my house, and um, yeah, they just go there and like shoot off guns every now and then. But there's also you know murder. at each other or just up in the air. For uh, fun. I think it's up in the air for fun. But there have been you know there's been. Like three murders, like in like a mile radius from my house, is um, just like in the past like six months, which is crazy. But what's what's also crazy is I never feel personally threatened. You know, it's not something that well, I. Oh, that's a sort of naivety, probably. Well, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I'm not never happens really to a target. Yeah. It's Couldn't happen to me. Yeah. Never happened no, to me. But, but it's a question, isn't it? It's it's like uh, you know, if it's random acts of violence or not. You know, and it's, it uh, and it's yeah, it, and unfortunately, it's really young kids that are involved in gangs that are just like, you know messing with each other and you know i feel like i could get mugged or something or maybe something like that but i'm not usually worried about kind of being shot at which is also it's sad because you know i just don't have to worry as much about that you know i don't know but it, that's a different conversation too let me tell you about yeah. aaron lopez Barante. <laughs> going into my bio now. there you go well, i'm going <laughs> to read this to everybody and tell them uh, who we're talking to uh, Aaron's a New Orleans singer, songwriter, and noted guitar player who was born in France. Come on, were you? Yeah, I was. Are you Muslim? No, I'm not. Oh, really? No. So there's, I thought most people were French <laughs> and Muslim. Okay. No. And uh, you grew up in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, yeah. it says. Did you originally have an O with a strike through it in your name? I didn't, no. Why do you ha- have a Hispanic name and you're French? What happened there? Well, so I'm not French, but uh, my parents... Born were, in France. Yeah, my parents were living in France at the time, and uh, my dad is from Madrid, Spain. So I oh, actually, that's it's, why. Okay. It's a hyphenated name, but it's it's my dad's. It's just my dad's name. Right. So, um, yeah. well, does it mean anything, Lopez Barantes? Uh, no. No, it's just a name? Just, okay. Yeah, just runs in the family. So what were they doing in France? Uh, they were working for this... Uh, 
for this um, theater group called the Roy Hart Theater. And they they traveled around. They taught voice and um, gesture, and they sang. And they both yeah. your parents are in the theater. Though. Yeah, yeah, they are. And who's from here? Either of them? Um, neither. Neither. I came here after uh, I graduated from college, just kind of on a whim. I wanted to be in a new city, and I'm okay. really glad that I ended up here. How long nice you move? How long yeah. you been here? Yeah, I've been here almost five years. Okay. So I moved here in 2010, and. Um, yeah, I haven't left since. It's, it just feels like oh, home. Cool. And you've been, you mm. play three nights a week at the Maison Dupuis Hotel. That's yeah. a pretty good gig. Well, you know, as of, this is actually as of like last week, they just decided that they wanted to end uh, the music there at the end of January. So I'm actually just playing on Fridays right now. But I was playing um, Tuesday through Saturday over the past uh, three years. So Why did um, they decide to change it all of a sudden? Uh, man, they're... This hotel is just going through a lot of renovations, a lot of changes, and they, um, yeah, they're just trying to find a new identity. They don't, uh, they don't know what kind of music they want to, want to have. And um, what, so what were you playing there? I was playing acoustic. I got my guitar over there. It's just grab acoustic. It. Let's play something then. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lee, you want to grab that? Turn around and grab I that will. guitar. I will. Okay. But yeah, I was just playing acoustic there and and singing your own stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, you I played play. a really long set, so I played. Like a three-hour set usually, so wow. I don't have a ton of, I don't have enough originals to do three hours. But I would just do, you know, play all the guys that I loved, and also throw yeah. my um, my original music in there. As and well. did people listen? Were they tourists? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's certain times of year that are awesome, opposed to other times of year. Like right. once that summer hits, it just gets kind of slow. It's like a ghost town. But um, you know, jazz fest, Mardi Gras, even around Halloween. Um, I get really good crowds, which is fun. And people come and actually listen to you at a hotel. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's funny because it's a weird environment. Usually, I'm I'm playing in front of the bar, and it's like a restaurant type vibe. So sometimes I'm like background music. Other times I, I can get a good crowd and sell some CDs and have some cool. fun. So and you have a CD out. I, I do. I it's do. It's called ALB. Yeah, it's called ALB. Yeah, it's, it's got shorter than Aaron Lopez Barrantes. I thought it was short for album when I first <laughs> saw it. <laughs> yeah. Well, in my iTunes playlist, it's ALB. U-M, so it's a, you know, a there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and how's it doing? Are people buying it other than the gigs? Are they buying it and stealing it? Yeah, you know, it's being a musician's tough. And it's like, especially on my, being my own, my own guy, I, um, I used uh, the hotel as my main source of selling my music, which, right. was, um, which is great, though. I, mean, I, pr- I probably sold about like 800, almost 900. That's, but that's good. It's yeah, really it's good. good. But it's, I, I, it's a different kind of exposure than, um, you know, than hustling really hard in the city. It is hustling, though. That's one fan at a time, man. It's true, it's and it is. And it, what's cool about a hotel is, like, especially in New Orleans, is you get people from all over the world. <coughs> New Zealand, Australia, right. Germany. It's, it's really, and so you, you can sell to, you know, a couple people from out of town. Yep. You know, you just kind of slowly spread the word. <laughs> Let them spread it, too. You know? Exactly. That's what's great about the CDs, right? I know, and it's funny because no one really buys CDs anymore. It's more of a kind of like a token of just, like, um, them being with you and appreciating it's giving like you right. some sort of support because yeah, nobody's yeah, got sure. a CD player yeah. Yeah. and it's tough selling online too you know like once you release something and you lose that initial traction after you re- you know I think it was like a month or two after I was like on Facebook and Twitter and was like hey I have a CD out it was like kind of like <laughs> skyrocketed down well, so people just mm. steal music basically yeah and no I mean I on Spotify do, do yeah, you Sp- listen yeah, yeah I'm on Spotify music? do you buy music yourself uh, Rarely. The last, I just bought um, this guy, Sturgill Simpson, and he's got this amazing album out. It's like an Americana. It's called Meta Modern Sounds. 
in country music, and it's oh, okay. it's an amazing album. It's so good that I I wanted to support and just like throw but that you money. You did down. it because you wanted to support, not because you. Yeah, it's 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 too easy to get Never music for free. You know? Lee, what so. do you do? Do you steal it off Spotify or what? I prefer the word listen. Listen. <laughs> Me too. I listen to a lot of Spotify. Yeah, right. I listened to eight hours of it yesterday. In fact, on the drive. On the drive down here. Absolutely. What yeah. about you, Claire? What do you listen to? I use Spotify. I pay for the. Nine ninety nine premium. Yeah. yeah, yeah but that even doesn't that go doesn't, that doesn't go to artists. Doesn't go. I know. I know. It's, it's just so easy. But and of course we we're not paying you anything to play right now, so yeah, it's you know, perfect. It's okay. What are you going to play? I'm used to it. Um, I'm going to play uh, a tune called Jonah and the Whale. It's off this CD. I have I actually have it in my guitar in the bag. Case. Yeah. Okay. And I'll show you. Yeah, get it out. Okay. We haven't seen a CD for quite a while. This is a CD. That's what uh, they you look guys like. can like pass it around or whatever. But oh, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's in the wrapping. It's nice. Wow. Yeah, I've oh, got a nice. weird picture of myself nice. there. So you did, did the drawings. I did the drawings. Ooh. Yeah, ah, you're talented. Yeah, artist. I like to draw, it, and so I. Uh, Who I, produced the record for you? Um, I went to uh, Fudge uh, Music Studio, um, but they're they're closed now. Unfortunately, Are they? yeah. But that I was had Tom a, Drummond from Better Than Ezra. Did he close it down? Yeah, I think I think Trombone Shorty got it now, and Shorty bought. Tom Drummond's yeah. oh, that's very interesting but anyway I had a lot of fun there. why did he shut it down he just wanted to use it for himself uh, I think it's maybe. weird I don't know Andrew might know something about because it. the music industry is dead Grant that's why <laughs> <laughs> oh okay yeah. we are the music industry <laughs> yeah. yeah anyway but I had a great uh, engineer that I worked with also at his house and he just he's got great mics and who is just, that his name is Jacques Delator and he was Ooh. one of the engineers at um, uh, yeah the better better than Ezra Studios at Fudge and um, yeah, he's in town. He's making, still making great stuff. So, okay, know. okay. Well, let's have a listen to it okay, live, cool. just the way it was intended. I feel like I'm kind of in like tight quarters here, but yeah, it's a little too close. So yeah, this is a tune called Jonah and the Whale. Jonah was a loner, a bit of a stoner He was drinking on the ripple wine Staring at the stars from time to time Oh, and Jonah was young, but he wasn't dumb He was drinking all the time Spending summer days in the countryside So one day after a while, he called the sea And he set sail as the waves crashed beneath Oh, he wished that he was stronger He wished that he was wiser Trip to find that answer out at sea Oh, He was picking up junk, met a fox with brown eyes Who took him for a walk on Concord Drive Oh, and back at sea he was swimming in the deep Met a whale in the coral reef Who swallowed him up and took him for a ride So he found himself in the belly of the beast He thought of life and love and his girl Elise Oh, he wished that he was stronger He wished 
wish that he was wiser A trip to find that answer out at sea Oh, Totally buy that album. How much is the album? Ten ninety nine. They're ten dollars. Ten bucks. I, I would totally them buy. For like 12 bucks. I would pay ten bucks. I'd for buy it too. What did you think, Andrew? Yeah, I thought that was great. Nice. Yeah. I enjoyed that, Eric. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Andrew's music too. We're gonna so. make Andrew play Thanks, Burr. Well. Yeah, man. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta tune this thing. Is it's it funny. I don't know if you guys can ever. No- well, I'm sure you may have noticed, but if I, I have I one string off, it's like it's like a dead cat. Yeah, you know what? I didn't. I didn't even hear it. Uh, really? I, just <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear you. Okay, cool. And you play as well, Claire, right? I do. What do you play? You were mentioning that before we sat down here today. Well, I'm no um, ALB. Okay. <laughs> hey. uh, but um, I do play guitar and, and a little bit of banjo. You play the banjo? Do you want to? Do you want to pick up the guitar no, right now? You no, I play do not. <laughs> Are you sure you want to play one yeah. thing? Claire? Are you sure? <laughs> okay. What? I would like to hear more of his songs. Yeah, yeah. we're going to make, I think we totally <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. can, can make Aaron play, and we'll make Andrew play a song in a minute, yeah, in a minute as well. Point. First of all, tell us about, so we don't lose track of it completely, I'm not going to ask you about Kickstarter at all. Tell us about Nola Beings. Because uh. I see Nola Beings, is, it's kind of like the hum- Humans of New York it's, concept. It's, it's the a, same concept. It's a total rip-off. Absolutely. Okay. Well, so. you know, there's, um, yeah, I mean, it was inspired by this, project of humans of new york for sure but every every city that has its own kind of project based off of that takes on its own character and it's pretty quick to see that there's a difference between the the character of new orleans and the character of new york yeah it's really interesting what you're doing with it it's similar to the new york one but of course our characters are different but your photos isn't it more like it's interesting to see what new orleans is doing with it even more so Mm -hmm. because because like you're saying the city takes on its own you know, kind of voice within the images and... Uh, totally. Yeah. What yeah. do you mean by that when you say it, Grant, when you say uh, it's interesting to see what you're doing? Well, I, what I was thinking was that the photos are... Because everyone takes photos. Lee has we've talked about this before, too, that everyone's uh, you know, got, a, got a phone with a camera on it. So people used to have a camera. It used to be very rare. Hmm. That every, that there were people who could take yeah. photos was someone who really cared enough to get yeah. a camera and buy a film and put it in there and go take photos, which is... 
everybody, everybody, someone in the family took a photo, or some one of your friends took photos. But now, everybody takes photos. Yeah. Mm. Every single person, everybody. Totally. Every I, have kid. A, I have a great Instagram account of all of my photos. I'm a you know, professional now. So yeah, <laughs> so everyone can take a photo and put it on Instagram. Let me show you my portfolio. portfolio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got great. So, photos. how do you guys feel about that? As both being photographers, how, what has the ubiquity of the camera meant to to you as professionals? Well, I can say that for me, it's it's changed from being um, I just need to document what's going on to a, a device for storytelling. And I think there's a lot of people that can take a picture, but a good image that really tells a story is very hard to come by. Um, and a, a good image really moves you, you know, and it, it makes you feel something. It connects you with an idea or a person or a place that you actually, that actually transports you out of, out of your own space that you're in. And so, um, and I think amateur photographers can come across that. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's like democratizing this far form that was once prestigious. Is it democratizing it or cheapening it? Well, yeah. it is, it's doing both, I think. I mean, I'd like to hear your perspective on that. As a I don't know if you would. <laughs> <laughs> no, I look at it a lot. Uh, when I look at the, so much work uh, produced with, uh, you know, iPhones and cameras and, you know, uh, Instagram accounts, I, I think that, you know, it's great. And I'm, and I'm happy about the, um, the, the exchange. I think it's wonderful. I think it, I think it did similarly what's ha- what Spotify did to musicians. I, mm-hmm. I think that the iPhone has done similarly to photography. Sure. And for photographers, guys like me that spent their life learning it as a craft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid coming up, you had to learn a lot of technical information to, mm-hmm. to be able to operate your camera or process your film correctly or understand what f-stops were in relationships to lensing and, and focal links and things. Those things have gone away. Yeah. You had to, you had to know variables in cameras. Now you download Visco. You got fourteen, uh, you know, f- fifteen in every category uh, that em- emulate what what we used to call film stocks. So you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a skip forward to um, uh, you know skipping the process of learning uh, in a sense yeah. to already be doing something. Yeah. It's a kind of a destructive thing for a photographer in a way. Sure. Okay, but if, can I? Well. No. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, well, I totally agree with you. And I also grew up, like, working in the dark room, like, processing my own film. And now I teach photography and, and filmmaking yeah. in the summers to high school students. And we teach them all these things like aperture and how to and and shutter walk. speed and ISO. And yeah. we don't teach them how to develop film, but we teach them how to control their cameras right. manually. But one of the cool things that... I think that, you know, I mean, I, I totally see both sides of the coin. I'm like... Me too. You know, I'm an old fogey about a lot of it. Just thinking like, damn, <laughs> you know, what, like what this is, is my what exactly are both, What exactly are both sides? But, well, but, but it's, I think the side that's in what? favor of technology is that now everybody can have a voice. Like now everybody sure. has this tool sure. at their disposal. Correct. Is that the word? Disposal. Nope. Disposal. <laughs> Disposable would be Disposal. But what, what's interesting about nice. your work, though, when I look at your <laughs> website today, is how good these photos are. Well, I, I ta- I'm a photographer. Yeah, I take but them I mean, you camera. get so used to seeing people's photos on Instagram and sure. on Facebook. I mean, seeing photos every minute, literally. Mm. And, you know, you well, just just get used to this. I, I guess we just get used to shitty photos. Yeah. yeah. I think if it has any correlation with, with music and, and using Spotify as a, as a correlative, you know, you have this thing which is opening people up to this vast uh, uh, expanse of music that they never would have heard 
and that's great because maybe they hear you uh, and they never would have. But when it comes down to, you know, the people who, you know, are taking the most beautiful photographs and they're still on Spotify, who's going to pay for that? Like, well, you're cheapening the, the product. And, uh, and that's the problem. Thank it's you. like, if I may use a Nashville musical adage, uh, you know, I, I love the, the term that a great song is only three chords and the truth. You know, all, it's all you need is three chords and the truth. I always love that. And yeah. it's true. Uh, and, and, but it's, it's as if everyone has been given the three chords and everybody forgot that truth was necessary as well. And, uh, mm. and, you know, if we just all grow up or our kids grow up in a generation that forgot about the truth, then, then what? You know, what is the truth? Who knows? It's an you know, unattainable thing. But, you know, we, uh, it would be great to strive for it and, and exalt it when you think yeah. someone got close, you know. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Well, anymore. that's the question. Are we going to have great photographers now? Are people well, like you guys going to come along in this next generation? Yeah, there's, on, yeah there's always going to be some great, great photographers. What are they going to do with that? Where, where are they going to put it? Yeah, how do we find them? Yeah, how are they getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. I mean, that, yeah. that's the issue. You know, to the payment thing is good. You know, in the way how it, um, uh, the, you know, the instant aspect of it, and the, the the proclivity of the work, the how much the, you're looking at every day is dumbed down. Right. Uh, guys like me that used to work for a living, mm. you know, the, I mean, <laughs> I you know, I, I worked in I worked in an era where you could make twenty five thousand dollars a day doing a portrait in for advertising. Oh. Oh. That doesn't exist anymore, except in the rare rare fire sure. there. And, w- and part of that happened because it became so easy to take pictures for everybody, and then photography became the commodity. They weren't artists anymore. Mm. They weren't treated that way anymore. Ad agencies and people that were wanting to procure, you know, these images, they didn't want to pay you anymore. They didn't need to because they had somebody that just bought a B and H, a camera. That when when you get it out of the box, you're an instant photographer. So there's this really there's this disconnect between uh, what used to be, uh, you know, paid artistry, just like in the music business. You know, you revered you were an artist. That's not so much anymore. You know, you. Musicians pay clubs, you know, in LA to p- perform there, not the other way around. Yeah. Do you, you guys? Know. Did you guys ever see that commercial for theladders.com where there's two guys playing tennis in an arena, and then a whole bunch of people with rackets come onto yeah. the court and kind of storm <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. That's what I feel it's like. It's kind of like, right? You know, it's just yeah. all these like, wait, what are you guys doing? You know, we're yeah. playing tennis here. <laughs> yeah. And then everybody yeah. wants to play, and and uh, but you don't realize they got to train and to get on the court. You know. Well, and you know, there's a beauty in you know being a be, knowing that you've put in that time and mm-hmm. knowing that you do have that talent, and you you're gonna be recognized for it in in some kind of realm. And, um, maybe there's a humility too in in recognizing yeah. that maybe maybe you're never good enough, but you're always gonna try to get better. Yeah. You know. And at the end of the day, you know if. At if you have your music and you have your photography and it, that makes you happy and yeah. you know that that's something that you can always come back to no matter if you're making money or not, that's kind of what life's about, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just valuing True. what, what yeah. the art is right. and the what st- it means to you. The starving artistry is a good filter it, to bring out the, the yeah. passionate ones, For right? Sure. Yeah. It does make sure that the only people who really love doing it are still doing it, right. I guess. Yeah. I guess it knocks out everybody else who's because uh, there's no age to be on anymore. Yeah, well, because you know if it's you're a, in or you're out. Yeah, you know if it's like an Instagram account or a YouTube channel of some guy that plays pop songs of you know covers all day, and or somebody that just kind of. Re- takes you know crappy shots with filters and they have thousands and thousands and thousands of followers you know they're they're not like the real deal you know they're not at the end of the day nothing's really going to happen with it you know so i don't know Mm. uh i I, I I agree i think that like the the game of like social media is it's really 
it's fake. You can have a fake. million yeah. followers That's on true, Instagram, and then you can walk down the street and nobody knows your name or your face. And you can you buy those followers you know? too very yeah. easily too. And and so it's I mean, I. I think about this a lot because I'm, I'm doing a project that's slowly growing to be bigger and I used to feel like really validated by, oh, like there's 50 people that just followed me today. Sure. And, and then I had to kind of let go of that and stop paying attention to it because it's not real, you know, and it doesn't really mean any, pro- you know, you don't know what it means to those people. Maybe some of them feel moved, but some of them don't. And it really, if, if your passion isn't there, if mm-hmm. your truth that you're seeking isn't there, then, you well, know. It depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to get a lot of followers... That, and that's the end. Right. That's what you <laughs> want for some reason. That's some people yeah. are. Well, and <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, the sad part is, too, is like, you know, to to make it in the game, too. Like, you know, I apply to festivals and gigs and shows. And, um, and they'll say, you know, they'll look at my social media and they'll say, how many followers do you have? How many fans right. do you have? True. And it's the type of thing where you have to... You kind of have to be a slave to right. that system if you want to yeah. just, like, promote mm-hmm. your artwork. And so, like, that's the thing. Like... It, well, people genuinely believe if you only have you know four hundred and thirteen people following on Facebook, how good can you be? Yeah, how many people God are going to? Well, how many people are going to come to the show out of yeah, those four hundred fifteen? Right, right. Or how many people are going to buy those records if right. we sign you to this label? So, people want to. They want those numbers, and they want to know. Uh, you know, because at the end of the day, it's a business. Right? And granted, it is. It is one of the easier numbers to find in terms of you know indicating how big is this person's fan base. You know, that's understandable. You know, th- these are the people who, quote, unquote, follow you. And you're right. You can buy that. But, uh, right. but, but you know, if somebody's only got 500 people, quote, unquote, following them, then that's an indicator that they're kind of getting started, you know. And, uh, and when, when they have 10,000 that they haven't bought, well, that's something to, to, you know, to recognize and do something with, you know. But, uh, yeah, I don't, blame, I don't blame it for being a number that indicates a certain thing or correlates to a certain uh, thing. But I feel like... I feel like then it, it makes the number define you more than your well, actual artwork. Yeah, you talent. can't put the cart before the horse you know? for sure. You gotta let but let the art let the art build the numbers. Don't try to build the numbers as if that's it, what you know. It's makes clearly the art not great. like the old days where you're just like a talented person. And some record you know producers like, hey, I want to yeah, record you. And we're gonna audio. make you big. It's yeah, like, yeah. well. Yeah, are you big on Instagram, YouTube, or Facebook? And then we'll see what happens. Well, then why not just buy a bunch of followers? <laughs> well, you well, can. But because that's the cart before the ho- horse part. You know, maybe that gets you into one but show or one but festival. But if you're really good, right? Who, well, and, and if you you're really good, then you'll get the followers well, yourself. Will you? Yeah. Absolutely. Does that follow necessarily? Uh, if you're really I'm a great right. musician, it, 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 it great doesn't start. But you have to hustle. You have to. You have to be persistent and. Uh, you know, everybody's looking for a quick fix. Fix. That's the whole thing. That's the whole problem. So, you know, uh, just shut up and do great work over and over and over again. Yeah. You know? Shut up and do great work. <laughs> Andrew, play a song for us. <laughs> Can I That's borrow your guitar? Plug. Do you mind? Actually, no. I'm pretty. You know, <laughs> very protective. You, bring your <laughs> you might have to tune it up a little bit. But That's cool. Yeah. Do you want to pick two? No, it's fine. Yeah. Andrew, what are you going to play today? I'll play a little. I always like to try to play something new, so I'll play a little ditty. I don't know if I've ever played yours. You might want to tune it, though. I, I think it's a little off. <laughs> I wrote this tune uh, one day when I had a little, like, you know, like, colleague envy. When a friend of mine got this really cool gig, and I thought, man, I would have loved to get that gig. 
So I went upstairs. I was still living with my folks back then. I think I was in, you know, just uh, probably senior in college or something. But uh, yeah, I wrote this song. It goes like that. Just a little. One hand his guitar with no guitar case And the other his suitcase with no suits He's waiting on a ride to his big break Hoping it don't break him clean in two He's waiting in the wings Killing time but time's a deadly thing Ain't no telling what that waiting game gonna bring But there's no bright lights waiting in the wings He gets his drinks from a girl named Samantha Turns his tens and fives to ones and change And he don't tip much, but to her that don't matter if he just take the time, she'd gladly change her name. But she's wetting in the wings, killing time, but time's a deadly thing. There ain't no telling what that wedding game gonna bring, but there's no bright lights waiting in the wings. Get a chance at that spotlight And Samantha get your thing Cause nothing's ever gonna feel quite so right It's those first few steps Out there from the way But we're waiting in the way Killing time But time's a deadly thing Ain't no telling what that waiting game gonna bring But there's no bright lights waiting in the wings No, there's no bright lights waiting in the wings Hey, thanks, y'all. Yeah. Shut up and do great work. <laughs> yeah, man. That's sort of like Garrison Keel. Over and over and over. Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be well and do great yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. But and stay in touch. Till next time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's nice. Very I love... Yeah, thanks, man. I love, love it when it. your voice, like, cracks a little bit. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's, it's probably in a yeah. key probably too high. I really, I was going to start with, you know, just no. who needs oh, a deprecation? It's great. <laughs> perfect. It perfect great. crack. Thanks. N nice. Yeah. Do you play that song, Wes? No. I never no. Heard, I've never heard you play that song. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, mix it up every week. I there's try no to, bright yeah. light waiting in the wings. Mm. What's it? It's, it's sort of a song about getting out and doing it it's about shut up and do great work sure just yeah. have the courage to do it but I think you know uh, I, I heard something great from a colleague uh, something like you know your, your favorite songs are going to be the ones when, when time passes and then they teach you something different that you didn't realize was in there you know uh, and, uh, and that one I think what I didn't realize originally was there's like a, a, dis a disillusionment about kind of the success of of the so to speak wings and the bright light uh you know, in the bridge, it says something like, nothing's ever going to feel quite so right than those first few steps out there from the wings. So, you know, you'll get your big break, maybe. But 
you know, after that first exultion of, you know, or, you know, happy thing, then, you know, you're back to work. where you were, yeah. you know? It's, it's like drugs. Yeah, right. It absolutely <laughs> the is. The first couple of minutes is great. After that, so. you're just doing know. drugs. No, no, well, no, I know I've, what the drugs, but I don't know what the, you the know, fame. bright light thing. Yeah, I don't Well, yeah. you're doing pretty well, though. With the drugs? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, with, with, uh, with your career, it's doing great. Feels fine, you know. It's getting better all the time. Booking shows. Yeah. I got a gig around. for Aaron actually. Now that he he you know lost that uh, hotel gig, I got an idea. Okay, cool. I'm gonna don't remind me. Yeah. I'm starting okay. from square one right now. I'm cool. doing the whole thing over. Which it's it's kind of a cool feeling. I know so a guy yeah. with a coffee shop. And, and okay. Be great there. You know. Cool. Andrew. Among a bunch of other places, I just thought about that place though. What? We forgot the whole fucking thing here again. Oh, we got to do the we thing. Do this, yeah. Otherwise, we're getting in a lot of trouble. Okay. <laughs> Our show today. <laughs> We're supposed to do this 20 minutes ago. Here we go. Our show today is brought to us by Petite Pet Care. If you're going out of town or you have a crazy schedule, the folks at Petite Pet Care will take care of your pet in his or her own home. For love and care, when you're not there, go to petitepetcare.com and buy basics swim and gym. A full range of fashion swimsuits, workout and yoga clothes with style. The all-new basics swim and gym is on Magazine Street near Jefferson Avenue and by Hangover Destroyer. Pay attention to this. The only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. <laughs> it's true. Go to Hangover Destroyer's website. It's hdestroyer.com. Write happy hour in the coupon code and get 30% off your first order of Hangover Destroyer and seize the dawn. Well, you're shaking your why? head like you don't believe it. Why? Why? <laughs> it's, it's medically proven by, by some sort of study at UCLA, apparently. Right, Andrew? I don't know. That's what they told us. I tried one, and... uh, What'd you think? I don't know. The jury's still out. I think it might have worked, but you never really know what the hangover was going to be. Well, that's true, but you're not supposed to have a hangover at all. Sometimes the hangover's Uh. good, so you know not to do it again, you know? There's that. That way you're going to... It's the Sinatra thing. I feel sorry (laughs) for the people that uh, don't drink because... You know, when they wake up in the morning, it's this is as good as they're ever going to feel. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, dude. Yeah. I'll live the other way. Yep. I know how I'm much, going to feel better. How much are you drinking on an average day? Me personally? Yeah, well, you personally. A bottle of wine. Just bottle. one bottle. Maybe a couple of beers. I don't know. A bottle of wine and a couple of beers a day? Yeah. That's doing or not? 30 years. <laughs> drinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's going to give you a hangover, wine and beer. Sure. Hey, yeah. um, Claire, you were saying you're working on a project. What are you working on? Um, what project was I working on? Well, that was, I was going to ask you that question. You <laughs> said, I'm working on a project right now that I'm getting a bunch of followers on. Oh, no, that's Nola Beings. Oh, that's Nola Beings. <laughs> oh, that is the project. That's the project. So how do you get it out there? How do people find out about you? Um, word of mouth. Word of mouth. So tell us what it's yeah. like. You walk down the street. What are you taking photos with, a real camera? Yeah, with my real. You got it in your hand. Oh, you've been hiding it. Oh, it's always on so me ta- at all really? times. I didn't case, see it. In case I decide I want to photograph somebody okay. or something. Yeah. Um, so you walk down the street. Any random yeah. street or do you pick them? Um, any random street. Uh, I live downtown. I try to go uptown so that I'm just around different places. But um, and I, if, if I pass somebody and they look like they have a minute to talk and they look interesting which most people look really interesting to Mm. me because i just think people are fascinating i just i stop them and i say can i take your picture and and can i can i talk to you for a little while and i explain what the project is and some people say yes and some people say no and i what percentage say yes or no um i would say like nine out of ten say yes um but whenever someone says no i'm just totally cool you know you have to have you have to realize they're not rejecting you or the project. They just maybe don't want to be photographed today sure. or 
don't feel like talking to a stranger, and I certainly feel that way all the time, so I, I can totally understand it. Um, and then what do you do? You take their photo first? Do you, uh, do you pose them? I do. I mean, I feel like um, I don't pose them fake in a fake way, but sometimes I'll, like, you know, say, oh, let's put this piece of hair behind your ear, or you know, just to make them feel like I'm looking at them and Style. not just trying to just try to like grab them you know I, I want them to feel like I kind of appreciate them and then I take a picture sometimes I take the picture after I talk to them you just take one no no I mean I how many I do you take to get one good one? Oh, um sometimes it's like I take two or three and I'm like oh that's great that's perfect sometimes I take like 30 <laughs> well, oh, like, really? so yeah, someone will stand there while around. you take 30 photos yeah and you know if somebody who's kind of like tense and by the time you're on like photo 10 they're just laughing at you because you're ridiculous and then you're they think you you're hopeless you can Austin Powers them and be like oh yeah groovy you look great you know no, I don't do that but I mean, you know I, I totally like you know help them relax and I mean if somebody's feeling um, tense about it I'll I'll stop and I'll talk to them for a little while and show them that I'm just as awkward and weird <laughs> as they may feel and then we might take some more afterwards so does anyone ever ask to take your photo can some say, can I take <laughs> maybe once or twice um, and then what do you do? You know, I'm terrible on the other side of the camera. You don't like having your photo taken? <laughs> no, you, I'm terrible. I see there's very few Never. photos of you out there in no. the world. There's like <laughs> one photo of you. No, 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 no. So this failed we, glory never. So <laughs> tell us what it's like taking a photo of somebody super famous, like Bill Cosby, for example, or, or Al Green, or Dennis Quaid, or all those people I've seen. It depends on the circumstance. You know, once you get past the Wranglers, it's great. It's all the stuff you do between getting to the celebrity. Mm. You know, the, that's, the, that's the hardest work and when you work in Hollywood. That's the hardest thing. We, you know, you're told no, 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 no on every idea you present before you get there. Oh, you have ideas. Then, they want to know what you're going to do. Uh, of course. So of they course. hire you because you're a portrait photographer. Well, they generally, say, let's you, get Lee well, Crumb to do those, it. The photographs I took were, you know, I was hired by a magazine or, or an ad agency. So, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, a supposed idea beforehand. You present that. And they tell you yes or no. You know they're coming to a studio at a certain point or a location, and they've already approved whatever you're going to shoot. You know, oh, really? it's in their hands. So someone's looked through your book of stuff, and they've sure. seen your photos, and they say, "Let's get Lee Crumb for this because he on on you, yeah you on the client something. side, on the ad side, or the, right. or the magazine side. You know, you're not hired by a celebrity. Celebrities don't. You know, they may pick the photographer. That's for sure. Or recommend the photographer, yeah. But you're you're generally picked by the magazine or the or the. So you're uh, meeting client. someone like Bill Cosby for the first exactly. time, and they don't. Exactly. They haven't said, "I've always wanted to have my photo." No, taken sometimes that would happen, but most often not. You no, not you, at all. Do you feel like the networking infrastructure of Nashville has helped you more than the soul and vibrance of the photogenicness of New Orleans helped you in the pictures? You know what I mean? You know what, man? Uh, funny enough, I don't I don't do that work anymore. Oh, yeah? I haven't taken a portrait in five years. Oh, shit. Mm. Yeah, so I had a career doing it, but I don't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So I live in Nashville, and I live as an artist. I I, I mean, I know... Uh, you know, and any number of people that I could, would love to photograph that I'm friends with. You know, I, I never even talked to them about it. Mm-hmm. I don't shoot portraits anymore. Mm-hmm. What do you shoot these days? Uh, I make collage. I work. I've been working on insects for about five years. Cool, so very cool. And printing, uh, printing on canvas, and doing uh, you know interesting other things that I love more, and doing collage work. Mm. You know, work with scanners a lot and dumb cameras and tin types. I've been doing tin types for about eight or nine years, and wow. you know, I, mi- I mix the media. The tin type awesome. is that the stuff you you put the thing in the. Yeah, big yeah, it's the wet plate process, collodion, you know, collodion process, like they did in 1860. That's, that's where the camera where you don't take the photo, you take the lens cap off. You shoot off. a plate. That's right, that's right. right. You know, you, you, um, 
you do with it. Oh. And the camera looks like a big giant box. Uh, yep. You can shoot anything. You know, anything can be a camera as long as it's dark. It's got a hole in the front, hole in the back. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. You know, I use old cameras, all kinds so, of stuff. So you've given, gone from being a commercial photographer to being an, an, an exactly. artist. An, an artist. Yeah, I haven't taken the job in five years. Five years. And does it feel That's good? That's awesome. Does yeah, it feel good? Great. Does it be off the you bullshit know, sort of lifestyle, you know, or yeah, do you that, miss it? Yeah, I miss both. I mean, I miss the money. I right. miss the money for sure. I don't miss the. I don't miss the real. I miss the activity, working with the crew and going on location. Yeah, that, that was great fun. But uh, you know, I don't miss the pictures. The pictures aren't worth anything. At the end of the day, very rarely were they worth anything. But do you miss being a star yourself? Because you were a star. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you know, if I let my ego think, you know, outside <laughs> there, but you know, I, I, don't, I don't, I try not to. You know, I don't. I miss, yeah, I miss going into a studio and being treated like a king and having all the yeah. glory. Yeah, it's great. It's, but it's not real, and it doesn't last. And you know, you, your, your photographs aren't worth a damn after it's all said and done, especially if you're shooting advertising. Mm. You know, you shouldn't, like you said, you keep talking about Bill Cosby, I shot him for Jello. You know, what's, Jell-O, that, yeah. what's that worth now? <laughs> wow. You know, right. I right. shot, uh, you know, you can name it, just tons of weird shit. You know, Michael Fox from Lace Potato Chips. I did those campaigns. <laughs> I, I did the first Verizon campaigns. Uh, wow. You know, for, oh, uh, God, you know, can, can you hear, can me, hear me now? now? Right. Yeah, I mean, I met Paul when he came to the studio the first day. He was laughing. He said, this will be the first and only time we ever do this. He had never been in front of us camera before. Yeah. He made that the longest running uh, uh, commercial in history. Hmm. What was that? What commercial was that? Can you hear me now? Oh, yeah. Just, just an example of the weirdness of the, you know, the profession. Yeah. You know, how, how random things can happen, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I miss, you know, I miss some, some of the component of that. But, you know, again, the image is not worth anything after, you, after it's done. Do you ever think about, like, you know, kind of like using that go get itness that made you great at the, at the portrait thing and, and trying to, like, push the, the artistry of what you're doing now? You know, man, I think the work's there. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's another world. It's yeah. another world in the art world, trying yeah. to make it there, especially, you know, mm-hmm. after you've had a separate career. You know, and I had two different careers. I was a news photographer. I was a magazine photographer. Then I was an ad photographer. So, you know, I'm, a, I'm at I'm in the fourth quarter now. Mm-hmm. It's really, <laughs> really difficult in the art world. Yeah. You know, I mean, I make enough. I keep going. But, you know, it's a very, very, very difficult road sure. to be heard, yeah. and w- you know, which goes back to the, everybody on Instagram or Spotify. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, there's just so much uh, in between that, you know, people are disseminating thousands of images every day by the time you close your eyes at night you've looked at thousands on the internet yeah. you scroll through your facebook account instagram tumblr whatever uh you know been on twitter you've looked at images all day man what where where do you get a voice with that mm. do you know where do you get someone to come over and go man i'm a photographer or i'm an artist to so come look at my work it's a very hard thing to do yeah mm-hmm. people people are not uh you know willing to even look at you could call most major galleries right now Tell them you you know you've got some work you want to show them. They're not yeah. even gonna, they're not yeah. even gonna look at it. Yeah, they won't even look at it. But you There's know, no venue for if, you. If you look at a great picture that's taken with film, at least when I look at it, after looking at so many of these digital things, uh, you know, it's the same feeling that I get when you go into a, a studio or you just have a great set of speakers and and the the tubes turn on and warm up and then you hear a record and there's something in there that isn't in what's going on yeah. now Amen. and there's hope in there Amen. you know there's hope that everybody Amen. feels that and and everybody needs it and there's here's the problem with being good at anything there's scarcity in the audience you get to a certain point there there's a there's a there's a threshold that you cross over as an artist whether you're a writer you know any performer anything when you get to a certain thing that is either new hasn't been seen before you're in rarefied air 
that it takes you a, a lot. There's no sprinters in any of this. It takes you a long time to get that. Yeah. Once you process all this information, you start doing those kind of things that are dynamic, that are so interesting and so forward. Your audience is so minimal. You trying to sell that to someone becomes so much more hard, you know, and more difficult. The, yeah. the, the, the people retreat when they haven't heard it before. Mm. When it becomes cool, then everybody knew all about it. Of course, you know, course, God, yeah. I was the first one to buy his album. Oh, you haven't it, heard? Dude. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I knew that guy when he was nothing. You know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a, in our world, our world, I think it's even harder than music. Mm. You know, I live in Nashville now, man. That is a music town. Yeah. I mean, the guy that serves your uh, breakfast in oh, the morning yeah. is. Trust me, he's got a song to make yeah. cry. He's yep. been playing guitar since he was little, and he plays Stevie Ray Vaughan's uh, work. And yeah. you know, it sounds like Stevie, mm-hmm. but he's serving eggs. That's right. You know, and uh, that's the problem, man. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, a lot of people out there that do great work. That's a fact. Know, how, to, how to get seen? Yeah. But when you do it really, 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 really great and specific, when you get very specific, man, you have a very small target audience. Sure. That's going to buy it. Yep. Or listen to it, or understand it, and. Uh, that that's you know, that's when you know you're doing good work. But damn, it hurts when you're trying to eat. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. makes it really difficult. On the other side of the coin, though, if you're a friend of yours on Facebook, for example, I see you. I'm a friend of yours on Facebook, Lee, and people might want to go and friend you on Facebook, Lee Crum, L E E C R U M, or go to LeeCrum.com because when I see the photo of yours come up on Facebook in the morning, it's like wow, look at that. It cha- it's a whole game changer, and hundreds of people will write underneath it, shit, that's awesome, or wow, couldn't believe it, or that's amazing. I've never, I mean, there's photos of people that you think you know, like actors, like Anthony, there's a photo of Anthony Hopkins you put up recently. I mean, we all know what he looks like. Yeah. That was a great, great, great portrait. Like, you like, Thank man, you. alive, or the Rolling Stones, I saw the... Wow. Like I don't even really like the Rolling Stones, and this <laughs> ju- I really don't. Well, the, well, the now the current Rolling Stones. Well, I don't like any of them, and <laughs> at any time. But this photo just it's just transporting to see a great photo, and, and if it wasn't for Facebook, I would never see those photos. Mm. So there is something yeah. great about that. Yeah, I love well. making them. Uh, that's yeah, I mean, what, you that's can what get it out there on Facebook is what I'm saying. You yeah, can't okay. even see it on stupid Facebook. You can tell the difference. Yeah, between yeah. a photo of you know, but, someone's but, but kid. again, you know, all that does, it doesn't hold any water for the artist. You know, but doesn't they, it? They, find, they, yeah. Can't people? Can't an audience find you that way though? Yeah, but what do they do when they find me? That's the problem. You know, mm-hmm. you, you know, the, no, no one looks at an image or hears, or, you know, or hears a song that wants to buy it. Particularly, yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. You know, at issue for all of us yeah. here is having uh, talent and working and struggling as an artist and wanting to do great work and then trying to eat. You know, and I think that's the, the frustrating part for yeah. so many people. Yeah. You know, these guys are wildly talented. Well, how they how they get to the stage? You know, you know how do you how do you make that transition where you can uh, you know still do your great work and start well, longer and be supported these guys are all you all you all are, are all artists and you're all working and you're yeah, all making cool. a living out of it somehow right oh. Oh. should we, we make Aaron play another lemon. song before we get yep. out of here okay. yeah okay. we have say. to get out of here and make way for paying customers people oh, still want to no. eat and drink oh, no. so you could always open a restaurant mm. apparently no one ever closes these restaurants that they open here in New Orleans you notice that they just sort of open they just open but they never close they just open more restaurants and people keep oh, going. Oh, sure, yeah. And no, that, they don't yeah, ever yeah. seem to close down. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they don't fail. They close. Do they? Some yeah. Way. I need to get out of the house more, maybe. But they, they do <laughs> open more than they close, though. You're right. There's a lot of them. Aaron, what are you going to play for us before we get out? I'm going to play a good old-fashioned blues tune. Yeah, so uh, this is a tune called Bluebird. When I, when I moved to New Orleans, I, I really wanted to be a blues guitarist. That's like all I wanted to do. And so I got really lucky when I 
kind of landed this guitar gig, and I just kind of practiced a lot of my blues. I listened to Wal- Walter Wolfman Washington. And Wolfman. A, yeah, I got a friend named Chip Wilson too. He's uh, he's just this great acoustic guitar player. So I've, I've learned to try to learn a couple things while I've been down here. So yeah, that's how it goes. Staring back my way Bird in a tree Staring back my way You don't know my troubles I wish that I could fly away Now, hawk in the sky, hovering right over my head. Hawk in the sky, hovering right over my head. How I wish I was home with you right now. Lying in my own bed Dark of the night, oh no, you know my bluebird sings. Oh, in the dark of the night, dark of the night, you know my bluebird sings. You know I love my little bluebird. The song that she sings You know I love my little bluebird Yeah The song that she sings You know I love my little bluebird The song that she brings Lopez Barantes, the name of the album is ALB. You can find it wherever good music is streamed or stolen. And uh, you, could, you could even cough up 10 bucks if you felt like yeah, it on Bandcamp like or yeah. Reverb Nation or yeah. iTunes or exactly. somewhere. Yeah, there's, it's all over the place. I mean, yeah, Bandcamp, um, Reverb Nation. I don't, 
Man, I haven't checked you that one You can track it down. Yeah, you can find it online. Just Aaron Lopez Barantes, thank you so much for joining me. Claire Banks, I thank you for coming along too. NolaBeings.com is the name of the website. And Lee Crum from LeeCrum.com. Thank you, well. Grant. Very nice to have you, all of you all this here today. Fun. That was a great yeah. happy hour. Thank yep. you so much for joining us. The producer of our show is Graham DePonte. Our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh, thank you so much for finding Aaron today. He's our music director. Our theme music was written by and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. The fabulous audio quality of the show is brought to you in part by Pre-Sonus Audio Electronics. If you'd like to be on our show, you can sit upright around a table, have a couple of drinks for 60 minutes, drop us a line. Our address is on our website. You can check out other happy hour shows there as well as other shows that we make at itsneworleans.com, including Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, live from Commander's Palace. Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic. True to the Gang with Chris True, Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans, Ray Canada, and Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker. You can keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and a bunch of other time-sucking social media as well. On all of it, we're called It's New Orleans. You can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Facebook and Google Plus pages. Those photos are taken by the fabulous and talented Douglas Engel. If you're listening to this show on iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcast app, please stop everything you're doing right now and take a moment to rate and review us. That helps other people find us. Our show is recorded live today at Wayfair on Ferret Street, where they put fine dining into a sandwich and fine booze into a glass. Come down here and check it out. They have a three-hour happy hour every single day from four to seven. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting. For itsneworleans.com, for Andrew Duhon, Graham DuPonte, everybody around here, around the table at Wayfair, back at the INO office. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. We'll see you back here next week on Happy Hour.